It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Good Thursday afternoon to everyone listening here to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty, joined by Michael Brauner behind the glass, producing today's show, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And want to make sure that you go ahead and make sure you tune in and listen for that motorboat sound. And when you hear that, that motorboat sound, we will have two tickets available for you to enjoy the boat show that will be held this weekend at the Mobile Convention Center. So make sure you listen to that motorboat sound. When you do hear that, you can qualify and pick up those two tickets to the Mobile Boat Show. Well, I tell you what, Michael, there's just a lot going on, not only last night, but today as well, and we want to jump right Right into the show to let everybody know here we will have Danny Cordy on around 3.30 to talk about the Mobile Sports Authority. It's going to be a busy march for the Mobile Sports Authority and also we'll be joined today by Derek Scott. The Foley Lady Lions were in action today. They came up short against the Sparkman Senators. 51-33 to was that final score the Foley Lady Lions coming up short. But who did not come up short? All the South Alabama Jaguars, Richie Riley and his squad have won nine out of their last 11 games and are playing exceptionally well. They won today 68 to 61 to advance to the quarterfinal round and will be playing Saturday against the number one ranked team in the Sunbelt Conference and that's the Southern Mills Golden Eagles and we saw what kind of environment that created at the Mitchell Center a couple of weeks ago with a big contingent of Southern Miss fans coming over and watching South Alabama absolutely mollywop the Golden Eagles so hopefully they'll have that same time of success in that game and I tell you Michael who had success last night were the Alabama Crimson Tide defeating Auburn in overtime 90 to 85 and I Mike, first of all, what an exciting basketball game that everybody was able to watch last night in Coleman Coliseum. Yeah, we'll get into, I'm sure, a few different angles surrounding this one. But first and foremost, just, yeah, it was a phenomenal game of basketball uh, between two teams that clear, that really wanted to win. And uh, you know, Auburn obviously was shooting the light side of the ball all night long, and, and Alabama still found a way to get it done. 
Well, not only getting it done, continuing on today's show, of course, we'll have Brian Matthews on to talk a little bit about the Auburn Tigers. Of course, they're in their spring football season as well. I mentioned we'll have Derek Scott here, Foley's head football coach and athletic director, talking with us. We're also scheduled to have Lindsey Crosby on to talk a little baseball that is actually going on. And we have our Tide and Tiger report. Chase Goodbritt will be joining us also to talk about the Crimson Tide. So, again, a great show scheduled for you today here on the final drive. But I think the biggest concern, Mike, for everyone was Coach Bruce Pearl and his comments after last night's ball game. If you didn't get a chance to stay up and listen to him, Mike, I think we're going to try to play those for you right now. We've had a couple of epic rants by some coaches that will be soundbite gold forever. I think Coach Pearls was one that will rival anyone's soundbites in any sport. Um, you know, obviously they made some, made some plays. We had a hard time staying in front of them at the end of the day. Um, I'm just sick and tired of our guys getting smashed down there. Smashed! Talk about the, the, the final possession in, in regulation, Coach. Um, you had the ball with about 25 seconds to go. Yep, we got a middle ball screen. Wendell got a good look. Our guys, uh, you know, had a clean one. That would have been a great, you know, great way to end it. What defensively were you able to do tonight um, in over a good portion of the game against this Alabama offense? Played hard, played physically. Message. Did the best job we could to keep off the offensive boards. Message to your ball club after this one, Bruce. Just we played hard, played well. You know, if, if that's the number one team in the country, you know, come on a road, hostile environment. You know, but we needed that one to get the NCAA, and we and we didn't get it. Dylan Cardwell's hurt. He's probably not going to play against um, Tennessee because of his injury. We need his physicality. He got he got fouled down there at the uh, uh, in, in, at the end of the game. So, coach, just talk about what what Saturday represents now. Oh, just we'll get ready to play Tennessee. We were, we were incredibly outmanned at the end. Had three, four guys on the bench in foul trouble. Joke! Well, Michael, I would love for Bruce Pearl to tell us how he really <laughs> felt uh. after that game last night. And he said he got smashed. Joke! He said Joke. it was a Joke. Joke. And I don't know if choke and joke can <laughs> go together in that same scenario, but when you have a 17-point lead, if you're fighting for your NCAA life on the road, I don't know when you start looking at the personal fouls because that's how I dig into a box score. Yeah. Auburn was called for 29 personal fouls. Alabama was called for 20. Auburn 15 out of 24 from the line. 60, Alabama 64 out of 31. Yep. So at the same time, 
if you knock down a couple of free throws in regulation or if you go ahead and you were shooting a blistering three-point percentage in the first half, and that's what extended that huge lead for the Auburn Tigers. The Auburn Tigers have shown glimpses. They just have not been able to finish games, and I think that that's probably the biggest problem for Auburn down the stretch to where when they have lost games, they had a lead against Alabama at home. Again, last night they had a lead against Alabama. They they fought tooth and nail against Vanderbilt, a game on the road that I know they wish they would have had back. You showed signs of domination against Missouri, but Auburn comes up short and is now 9-8 and eight in conference play and 19-11 and 11 overall. And when you start looking at what they have to do, they're going to play a Tennessee team on Saturday. And Coach Pearl said it's a must win against Missouri, but I know this game against Tennessee, you don't want to play 38 minutes of basketball. Auburn has to put together 40 minutes of complete basketball to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so this has kind of been a common theme with Auburn for a lot of the year. I think it was Zach Blackerby who said it. They're a pretty good team who has struggled to finish games. Uh, And so Bruce Pearl, uh, well, let's get into that. Uh, So obviously very frustrated at the end of the game. Uh, Auburn has been victims of, I guess, some not great officiating this year. Specifically, the the game at Tennessee, the the way that one ended was uh, uh, on the non-call. On the three-point attempt was pretty atrocious. But last night, uh, it's interesting to make your main point of your post-game interview blaming the officials after blowing a 17-point lead and shooting 62% from the free-throw line. I mean, it's... It's, it's, it really is ridiculous from, from Bruce Pearl. I, I under, Yes, there was a questionable call or two. I mean, that happens in every college basketball game. Uh, the the one that led to the 10-minute delay that they called on Janai Broom, it wasn't a foul on Janai Broom, but you blew a 17-point lead, Coach, and, and you're going to go and say, joke about the The joke was blowing a 17-point lead when you're with your NCAA tournament hopes on the line. To go and blame the officiating after blowing a 17-point lead in a game you needed to win is unbelievable, especially when you weren't even shooting. Yeah, well, you're shooting 60% from the three-throw line. Yeah, more free throws would have made the difference. Not to mention the fact that Charles Bidiaco and Rylan Griffin are both ejected from the game for crossing half court in that whole scrum, which I guess by rule... They should have been ejected, but Rylan Griffin, who, who was a, a huge part of the, the game at Auburn, he hasn't been playing a whole lot lately, but a huge part of the game at Auburn, probably had his best game of the year at Neville Arena. And then Charles Bidiaco, I think the best example of it uh, there, Katie Johnson, there was a point, I think it was probably with like five or six minutes left, Katie Johnson missed two free throws in a row, and then got and then Auburn's able to get the rebound uh, because Charles Bidiaco is not out there. Charles Bidiago's not out there to pull down the rebound because he got ejected by the referees and they get another foul and two more free throws and Johnson misses both. And and, and then Bruce Pearl is going to go and say, joke about the officiating. Give me a break, coach. Are you kidding me? 
Well, I don't fault Bruce Pearl for going to battle for his team, man. I, I think that he is just ultimately frustrated. It just boiled over in the postseason or, excuse me, in his press conference, his postgame press conference with the Auburn Network. And Andy Burcham did an outstanding job and continues to do an outstanding job talking about his Auburn Tigers that he's so passionate about. And I thought that, as one of the appers says, I thought Bruce Pearl was very tame and really kind of like I'm just here so I don't get fined type of, of deal because he didn't he didn't really say the officials were a joke. He just said joke. And I think that that was very cleverly put by Bruce Pearl. And there were a lot of calls that were questionable. I know that the ejections that took place in the game were very, very warranted. And it's unfortunate because, again, at that time it was 731 and the TV timeout and you're erupting and celebrating with your team. If you don't cross yeah. midcourt and you allow your teammates to come to midcourt, then you're not ejected. But once you cross midcourt in that situation, especially after there's been a face-to-face -face skirmish. Yeah, there, there was about, there was about to be a, a fight. I mean, I, I, I'm not complaining. That, that guy's got ejected. No, no, no. You, you, you can't, but again, you just have to be a little bit more careful. But despite the two ejections by Roland Griffin and Betty Ako, you still found a way and he also had Davin Crosby being ejected also, and he was not an assistant coach. That's what he was initially called, but I think that that's a situation to where Again, Alabama found a way to persevere because they were still down when this incident occurred, and it was critical when that under-eight timeout hit and with 10 minutes remaining that they gave Coleman Coliseum something to be excited about, go on some type of run because Auburn absolutely crushed all Alabama fans' hopes of winning that game in the first half, and it looked like Auburn was going to run away with it, and they were playing for their NCAA life. Yeah, I, well, it was funny because the way the first half ended, uh, you know, I think it was Sears missed the three, and then Auburn made a three, uh, and Auburn, I believe, was up seven at half, and then Alabama came out firing for the first minute or two of half. They tied it up, and I, I thought for a second Alabama was going to win this game by like 15 early in the first early in the second half they're just the way they came out and then Auburn started hitting every shot again uh and, and again it's you know for for Bruce Pearl to talk about how short-handed they were at the end of the game I mean Alabama did have two players ejected and Auburn just wasn't making the free throws that they got uh, you, again you blew a 17 point lead it, it just to to publicly state uh, like I don't care how he went about it. Yeah, he didn't say the officials were a joke. He said joke. But he might he might as well have. It doesn't matter what he said. That that's what he meant. Uh, so uh, like to blow a 17 point lead and go on the record as blaming the officials for for the loss because that's what he did. I, I I don't care if that's exactly what he said. Cause that that's what he did. Uh, it, it's just ridiculous. It, it comes off as. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty coming to you live from Legacy Arena here in Birmingham, Alabama, where we have been on location all week, site of the AHSAA 
state basketball championships and because of the state basketball championships we've had an opportunity to see and, and meet a lot of coaches like Wimp Sanderson on yesterday but when you have your local teams when your local teams are on you, you must go ahead and talk to the head football coach and athletic director at Foley High School which is currently Coach Derek Scott, and Coach Scott was here supporting his Foley Lady Lions, who were not victorious today. Fell a little bit short to Spartan, 51 to 33. So let's talk a little bit about how proud you are of Coach Flanagan and the eight young ladies who made history today. Well, there's no doubt, um, Corey. It's history for our school. Um, for, uh, first and foremost, for our, our administration and our staff there at Foley High School, and then our athletic department was specifically our women's basketball team and their coach Emily Flanagan and her staff, Ms. Coach Talbert, uh, ladies' athletic director, uh, female athletic director, Ms. Meta Christensen, and what they have um, able to do uh, this season has been truly tremendous uh, from the start all the way to now, just really overcoming all adversity and all things that are in, that were in, uh, in front of them and accomplishing all those tasks and, and those goals. I know those young ladies on that team of uh, players were were really the you know it took a it took a lot out of them and it was a hard loss for our program and for those young ladies but they have set the standard for women basketball at Foley High School hopefully for the whole entire future and uh, only hopefully only this is the beginning of, of what they're able to accomplish in that help those young ladies I you know uh, they they are a special group and um, I had the privilege of being around them now for two years and. Uh, just can't say enough about what they are and how they are as young ladies. Only a four-point game at halftime, only trailing by four, but when you start looking at the minutes, Coach, your young ladies, a couple of them played 32 minutes, and that being, I think it's Justiny Dixon. Justiny. Uh, as well as Ashanti Hobbs. Yep. Both of those young ladies played 32 minutes today for Coach Flanagan and scored 14 and nine points respectively and when you start talking about this big humongous floor 94 feet and the depth perception and them just finding a way to get it done you have to be very impressed with not only her and meaning coach Flanagan making history but to only have eight young ladies that were dedicated and all in. They spoke so highly of Coach Flanagan in the locker room and in the post-game interviews afterwards. Oh, it's no doubt. So it's just tremendous to, to be for them, those young ladies to really get here. We all know in the sporting world uh, that it's uh, it's a battle of numbers and it's a battle of attrition. And your 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 numbers and the and the uh, the tail of the deal playing 32 minutes. Um, for um, Ashante and uh, and Justiny, that's a lot, you know, and they really tried to put the team on their back. Um, and you can just see it in them that they were out there just trying to wheel themselves to it. And that's what they've done all year. And, and I can just speak for days about these young ladies. Um, but it, for me, um, J uh, Jacobia Barnett, um, Justiny Dixon, Two of the absolute finest um, people 
that I've been around, they really are competitive. Well, two of the finest competitors that I've been around. When we know in the game of sports, competitors are what you're looking for. People that just won't quit. And then they will compete and compete and compete and keep coming after you. And uh, and if you don't want to get up to their level, guess what they're going to do? They're going to drag you. I love it. And uh, those two young ladies, they're the two seniors on that team. And uh, just what they meant for fo- uh, for Foley basketball, women's basketball, it, it no worries right now. Coach, when you start looking at the history of Foley High School, of course, two names that always pop into people's minds are on the football field and Kenny Stabler along with Julio Jones. But in the history of Foley basketball, girls or guys, mm-hmm. for them to be the first team, they built that foundation that everybody else now has to try to elite to reach. And I talked to Coach Flanagan afterwards. I said, you've set the standard yourself as a coach because all you have to do is win one more game. Yes. Win one more game. Yes. But the opportunity to get here, there's so many 7A coaches across the state of Alabama, 30 other ones that would have traded their place to be where you are right now. There's no doubt. And that's what you always got to look at in this type of opportunity is that um, it hurts so it hurts so good <laughs> as I kind of um, term it for myself and when I had an opportunity um, and that, you know, it hurts to, to be here, but it's so good for the opportunity and the, and the understanding of how to handle these type situations, what it takes to get here. And if the law sees so fit that you get back again, you have a better understanding of how and what may need to be done to uh, for a different outcome. Well, I tell you what, too, Coach, what also impresses me is the fact that there's no quit in the program, and now we're getting in. This concludes winter sports, and we're going into spring sports. Correct. Your girls track and field coach, Sean Dixon, she does a tremendous job with indoor and outdoor track and will continue to have success in female athletics as well. There's no doubt. Uh, yes, we. Uh, if you look at the numbers and look at last year, we were run in the top five, and uh, I think we were on the third. Came in third last year in uh, track and field uh, on the ladies' side. And, and Coach Dixon, who's been a tremendous ad, has been uh, really instrumental in, in building and helped to, uh, and, and, you know, and take our program to that next level. It was already a, a good program. I think they're really pushing it toward a great program. Well, Coach, also being great was your football team this past year, and I know that you're season to season, and you have to look forward to the spring that's just around the corner for you guys. Let's talk about the Foley Lions and what to expect for you guys this coming spring and in the fall when you go ahead and kick off for the Foley program 2023 football-wise. Well, yeah, uh, we're, we're definitely uh, thankful. Uh, and appreciative for our seniors this past year for what they were able to do and bring to the table and lead our team to an opportunity to win the region, 7A Region 1, uh, made the playoffs for the first time in, in, uh, in quite some time, and uh, we're able to go and compete. Uh, we came up a little short, but, you know, into that is the like I just described. There's, uh, there's some lessons to be learned from losing. Um, I, like I tell our team all the time, and I've used it, 
numerous times. Uh, there's way more to be learned in the loss than from a win. And uh, you can learn a lot more about yourself and what you're capable of when you get that disappointment uh, of not being able to reach that goal that you may have set for yourself. Well, let's talk about Perry Thompson, one of the key cogs to returning next year. And I know that he had verbally committed to Alabama, but as anything being verbal until it's actually National Signing Day and you go ahead and put your name on that dotted line, Let's talk about what he brings and the excitement that he creates, not only in your locker room, but how fun it is to coach him and to see his greatness. Well, I think first and foremost, it starts with Perry's attitude and, and kind of his his childlike exuberance. And, you know, he has a, a zest for life. He has a zest for fun and, and, and really is a great teammate to, to all his teammates at Foley High School in every sport he plays. Um, and then it goes to the fact of some, you know, watching him do those things that he does so well uh, at a high level, and you realize that he's uh, he's he's different than than most, you know. And so he's a, a young man that uh, has the ability to to make the the hardest thing look easy, and uh, and that's a truly a testament to the what type of player he is. We're speaking with Derek Scott. He's the head football coach at Foley High School along with the male athletic director. And, again, a tremendously successful season for the Foley Lions this year. Coach, spring is, again, right upon us. And I know that normally high school spring games or jamborees, depending on how you decide to line it up, normally happen right around mid-May. When do you guys officially start? spring practice and do you have an opponent lined up that you guys are going to play for a spring game or are you going to do inner squad we haven't i haven't i haven't really nailed it down yet at all what we're going to exactly do but yes it will we will start in may we're going to do a spring um but i haven't decided if we're going to play an opponent yet and i'll get on the phone here pretty soon and start seeing what's out there and what's available uh, from an opponent standpoint but we usually like to try to compete against someone at the end of spring Again, we're speaking with Derek Scott, and Coach, I I know that you you, you love the Golden Eagles of <laughs> Southern Miss, and that being because a graduate thereof. I and know. to the top. What's fun is the fact that, you know, with you being that graduate, you guys are going to get an opportunity to get a second crack at South Alabama in men's basketball as South Alabama will be playing Southern Miss after South Alabama's big-time win that they had today over App State. That win was 68-61 to mm. in the conference tournament, and now we're on to the quarterfinal round. It's winner go home. The Sunbelt Conference is normally a one-bid league to where the automatic qualifier is really the only one who gets in. Um, but I know that you're excited about your local team, the South Alabama Jaguars, sure, getting sure. a chance to, to play the Southern Miss Golden Eagles on Saturday at 1130. Oh, man, yeah, that's the uh, the deal. I, I saw the score, and I was kind of like, wow, you know, kind of a, the, 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 the two things that kind of just come together because yeah. – um, South Alabama's um, guard Greg Parham is a, is a is a good friend of mine. I really like him, and uh, we have a good relationship. and uh, And I, I love to watch him play. But man, 
you know, I'm always rooting for the, the Golden Eagles. And understandably and, uh, so, Coach, because, I mean, anytime you're a graduate of somewhere, you're supposed to root for them. But today, South Alabama, they're starting five. All were in double figures. Wow. Isaiah Moore had 20 points. Kevin Samuel had 12 points and 15 rebounds. That's huge for him. Owen White, 14 points. Turbo Jones, 10 points. Judah Brown, 11 points. So when you can get that type of production, even though South Alabama beat Southern Miss a couple of weeks ago yeah. by over 20, almost 30 points, if I'm not I mistaken, like... I think we're in for an outstanding game at 1130, and I know your eyes and my eyes as well will be all on that game. Well, you know, kind of the deal, man. Southern Miss is the newcomer to, some, to the Sun Belt, yeah. but I think that when you look at the overall talent and the, and the overall just uh, competitiveness of the of the league, uh, you think Southern Miss really added to it from a basketball standpoint. You know what I mean? And it really, I think you're they're right on par for what where the area and the conference they should be in. Derek Scott taking time out of his busy schedule here as he was here supporting the Foley Lady Lions who came up a little bit short today. Ends their season at 23-6. and six. They lost 51-33 to 33 to Sparkman's Lady Senators and Jarvis Wilson, no stranger to the Gulf Coast. Oh, yeah. He has won at Blunt, brought them to the Final Four as the head coach. He won at Carver, Birmingham, brought them and won a state championship, and now he's playing for another state championship as head coach of the Spartan Lady Senators, and I know that's very impressive, Coach. It is. It's truly impressive, and it's always great to see a guy, you know, we come up, Jarvis and I came up in the rank, through the ranks together in the coaching ranks. We kind of came into the Mobile area about the same time and really went to the top, you know, kind of just building up through that deal. <laughs> just kind of building up, you know, our um, coaching resume and uh, to see him and what he's done for, with his career is just tremendous. Knowing knowing him from when he was coaching football in, in, at LaFleur and until now he's, you know, a, a, a full-fledged, uh, don't do nothing but girls basketball, but he's really, really, really developed his craft and it's great to see it for him. Absolutely. Well, it's great to see you here at Legacy Arena in Birmingham Alabama supporting your Foley Lions program and again congratulations to coach Emily Flanagan on an outstanding season that comes to an end here in Birmingham Alabama in the final four but coach I'll let you get back Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. want to thank Coach Derek Scott from Foley High School for stopping by here at Legacy Arena and talking about the Foley Lady Lions basketball program and Foley in general, a lot going on successfully at Foley High School. And now our next guest I have to jump right to is Danny Cordy from the Mobile Sports Authority. And Danny, good afternoon and thanks for joining Jumping on here on the final drive. Hey, Corey, I hope uh, Birmingham's treating you well. Well, I tell you this, Danny, what's great is the fact that you have so much going on, and some of the players that are here in Birmingham, Alabama, will be making the move to Mobile here on March 11th for the high school all-star game the first time ever the alabama mississippi all-star game will be held at the mitchell center on march 11th the girls game scheduled for 12 and the boys game scheduled for two o'clock 
Uh, that's exactly right, Corey. Uh, heck, you sound like a great commercial for it because that's our next big event next weekend. The teams will come in on Thursday, practice Thursday and Friday, and as you mentioned, the games at 12 and 2 on Saturday the 11th at the Mitchell Center. We're real excited to be hosting the girls and boys Alabama-Mississippi all-star basketball games for the first time ever in Mobile. So we really appreciate the AHSAA, Coach Briggs, and, 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 and his, his crew showing the confidence in bringing that, that event to Mobile for the first time. Well, I tell you, again, I've seen some outstanding games, and I've seen the roster for the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, and that roster will be having one of Blunt's own players, boys' players, come down and join us. But getting and securing that is huge to go along with not only what you have and the relationship that you're continuing to build with the AHSAA. Of course, we have the North-South game that comes comes to us and now we have rotated with the Alabama Mississippi All-Star game but now March 23rd of course you can't go wrong with the 45th annual Azalea Trail Run well well you're right that's uh, that's our next big event and in fact we had sent out the wrong date it's actually Saturday March 25th so when we sent out the date it was actually uh, we were looking at a past date so it's actually March 25th but yes the Isaiah Trail Run is one of those annual events that that really uh, uh, Mobile is noted for, and uh, Peggy Olive and her crew at the Port, her crew at the Port City Pacers do a good job putting that on, and we'll have several thousand runners, which with a lot of them from out of town coming in on March 24th and 25th. So we're excited about that too. And, of course, you end the month, and before you blink, even though we're getting ready to start March Madness, this being the second day of March, at the end of March, the 31st, which falls on a Friday through April 1st, we have the nationally renowned 2023 Mobile Challenge of Champions track and field events that will be held at UMS Wright as well as St. Paul. So that event being on the last day of March going into the 1st of April, it's also something that brings competitors from all across the country to our great city of Mobile, Alabama. Corey, you're right, and Steve Schoenwald and his and his uh, his staff just do a fantastic job with this, and have, has built this event up over the years. And I can't believe it's already the 30th Mobile Challenge of Champions. And uh, I, I was around when it started, so I don't know. I guess that means I'm getting a little gray hair. But uh, but Steve and, his, <laughs> Steve and his group really do a good job with that, and we're and and. and being held at UMS Wright on Friday with the Open Division and the Invitational Division on Saturday at St. Paul. So that's one of these events that uh, it really is easy to, to, to support just because of, the, of, the, uh, of, of how nationally renowned it's become. Plus, it brings in a lot of out-of-towners that, uh, that spend their money on the hotels and restaurants. So it's a nice economic impact for the Mobile area uh, on top of it being uh, just a great event for the track and field community. 
We're speaking with Danny Cordy, who really does an outstanding job facilitating events for the city of Mobile. And I love working with Danny Cordy when it comes to not only AHSAA events, but also when you start looking at pumping life into Ladd Stadium. Two football games here coming up in 2023 that will be coming HBCU style to Mobile, Alabama and Ladd People Stadium. And we know we had Coach Prime come last year as Jackson State took on Alabama A&M. But again, now we've added an additional game to where we'll bring even more HBCU football to Mobile, Alabama and show everybody what an outstanding city and host we can be, not only for basketball events, football events, but just showing the hospitality in general of Mobile. Well, you said it, Corey, the, the, uh, the Gulf Coast Challenge, which we had with Coach Prime in here last fall, was the largest single economic impact event that uh, the Mobile Sports Authority has, has, has ever hosted. So we're real proud of that. So the idea is that, well, if, if one's good, then two's better. So we'll, we'll be announcing officially, uh, uh, well, I guess it has been announced, the Port City Classic will be November 4th this year at Land Peebles Stadium with Alabama State hosting Grambling. So uh, neither one of those teams have played here in a long time. So we're, we're excited about that, too, just because uh, the, the growth of the HBCU, uh, I, I guess the whole conference, the whole uh, the whole markets on that, it, it, you can just see it growing. And, and Coach Prime, even though he's at Colorado, had a lot to do with that uh, and brought a lot of attention, a lot of money, and uh, and, and hopefully we're gonna we're gonna tap into that growth as we go forward with these two games. We're talking with Danny Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority. And, Danny, when people start talking about Mobile, Alabama, again, we had a very successful Mardi Gras season, and we had so many hotels that were filled to capacity when you start looking at just the beauty and the warmth and the great weather that we had throughout those events during Mardi Gras. But... Talk to us about the purpose of the Mobile Sports Authority because people have heard about it, but at the end of the day, I just listed a lot of events that you guys are involved with to bring tourism and sports attractions to Mobile. But tell us a little bit about the Mobile Sports Authority and why it's so important. Well, Corey, briefly, we're the sports tourism arm for the city and county Mobile. That's, that's the simple version. What we do, we go out and attract and host and support uh, or create e sports events, sports competitions that bring visitors to the Mobile area. So that could be anything from a, from a football game to a basketball tournament, uh, even tennis sometimes, soccer, uh, volleyball. I mean, just just anything that we can help create to bring people to town, that's what we do. It's a very specialized part of the overall tourism industry, and that's why we're a freestanding sports commission working very closely with our Convention and Visitors Bureau, Visit Mobile, because sports is just a different animal. It's, it's, yes, it's tourism, but yes, it's sports, 
And so when you combine those two, it's just a unique animal. So uh, the, the city and the county formed us back in 2009, and I've been back here since 2011, and, and, and we've been fortunate to have the support of the city and the county to be able to grow the number of events, the quality of our events, and, and, and hopefully that will continue in the future. Uh, and our, my predecessor organization, the Mobile Area Sports Commission, was formed in 1998, and that lasted to 2005. So. Uh, I've, I've been fortunate to be a, a, a part of the growth of the of the mobile sports scene since the since the mid to late 90s, and uh, hopefully that will continue. Enjoy enjoy what we do. Well, we thank you for being a part of the final drive and making your debut here on the final drive with Corey Labounty right. and Michael Bronner. And we won't on that, by the way. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. And we're definitely not going to make you a stranger here to the final drive because we'd love to keep everyone updated on the events that are happening in and around Mobile, Alabama. And Danny, can't thank you enough for your time this afternoon. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to our number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty along with Michael Brauner taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And in our first hour, we were able to talk with Foley High School's athletic director, Derek Scott, who was here in Mobile, or excuse me, who was here in Birmingham, Alabama today supporting his Foley Lady Lions as they made history as the first team ever to make it to the Final Four here in Birmingham in basketball. Boys or girls, they came up short today, losing to Sparkman 51-33. to And also joining us was Danny Cordy. So I want to thank Danny Cordy, the executive director of the Mobile Sports Authority, for jumping on board with this. And South Alabama, they did win today in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They will play Southern Miss on Saturday. The number one seeded Southern Miss Golden Eagles get a chance to try to redeem themselves against South Alabama. And of course, in the first hour, we also talked about Alabama's tremendous overtime win over Auburn, 90-85. to But outside of Auburn, Basketball, of course, we have Auburn baseball as well, and no one better to talk Auburn baseball than Lindsey Crosby, and also he can keep us informed of other ongoings within the Southeastern Conference. Lindsey, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us on the final drive. Hey, Corey, thanks for having me, and congratulations on uh, basketball's regular season championship. That was an exciting game last night. 
It really was exciting to watch and to be a part of, whether you're an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan or just a basketball fan in general. When you turn back the calendar to March 1st, March Madness has officially started. No better place to start that than in one of the state's largest and biggest rivalries in any sport. And Mm -hmm. I tell you, the Auburn baseball team is off to a great start so far the season. Six one and one so far and since the last time we talked of course last week they had that series with Southern Cal and it wound up going in favor to Auburn two games to one that was a tie and then of course Auburn on yesterday was able to defeat Florida A&M 18 to 8 and tomorrow Auburn welcomes in Lipscomb for a three game series yeah, and this Lisp- this Lipscomb game is going to really be the biggest test of Auburn's offense this year, right? Lipscomb is probably the best pitching staff they're going to face in non-conference. And so Auburn's really going to have to stay with themselves as far as uh, the hitting approaches are concerned and then find a way to keep Lipscomb from hitting home runs. They've really been powered by the home run. It's a great non-conference test for Auburn to give them a little bit better level of competition before you get into conference play in two weeks. Well, conference play in two weeks is quickly upon us, but one of the things that I know that really a lot of Auburn fans have been talking about, anytime you tinker with the uniforms, which Auburn has done, you have an opportunity to see different color combinations that Auburn decided to bring out last week. Let's talk about those new uniform combinations, and what do you think about them? Yeah, so the my favorite uniform combination so far has been the solid blue with the white writing. It reminds me of the Los Angeles Dodgers City Connect jerseys. But uh, you have the solid blues. You have the road grays. They haven't really been able to do that much of yet. You've got the pinstripe. You've got the orange. And then last night they broke out the blue top with the white pants. Uh, it's It's funny, this actually came up with a lot of the players at media availability. The starting pitcher gets to select the uniforms, and all three starting pitchers this weekend are guys, two of the three have not had a start at Auburn yet, and so they've had to legitimately give thought to what do we want to wear, how do we want to do this uniform combination. A lot of fans are happy that baseball has embraced a little more options since football is very traditional and doesn't want to change. Both Alabama and Auburn both have that traditional sense of uniforms when it comes to football, so they're getting some of the creativity out here. The navy on white is most people's favorite, but the road grays are pretty clean, and the blue and white combination has been a hit for everybody so far. Lindsay, uh, we're still a couple of weeks away from conference play getting started, but there is there a team in the SEC that surprised you with their start so far, either good or bad? Yeah, so we talked last week about Mississippi State and some of their offensive struggles. I've been really impressed with Florida. We knew that Brandon Sprout and Hurston Waldrop would make a good one-two punch uh, to, to lead off the rotation. But Jack Caglione you know, has been a great number three starter. This rotation, 33 innings, 50 strikeouts, and opponent batting average of under 180. Uh, And then to to turn around and take that, Caglione also has hit six home runs in the first five games. This Florida team looks to be a lot better maybe than we thought that they were. 
And I think this weekend's going to be a really good test. They go, they play Miami, and it's just, it's, it's going to be something. Miami's looked good at times. They've looked tough at times. But this will be a nice sign to see, can Florida win the SEC East, you know, maybe beat a Vanderbilt team and come out of the East on top as we make it to the real field of 64 in June for the baseball postseason. Well, I tell you, yesterday we kind of talked about the resurgence of Alabama baseball and them being able to be very successful. When you start Mm -hmm. looking at the standings or the rankings in the top 25, you're, you're searching and you're searching and you're searching. Auburn Tigers baseball, I'm not quite sure why it's, you know, not cracking the top 25, but a Sunbelt Conference team who has is Southern Miss. And I think that the Golden Eagles coming into the Sunbelt Conference just really added a great addition to the competitiveness of an already tough Sunbelt Conference. Oh, my gosh. They're Tuesday against Mississippi State. Taking Mississippi State absolutely to the wire, 10-9. and Fantastic showing. And what I've been really impressed that they've been able to do, like look at the series opening sweep of Liberty. They play Illinois close in two of those three games, and then Mississippi State. This weekend versus Dallas Baptist is going to be a really good test. Dallas Baptist is one of the better mid-major teams. Uh, It's going to be a great test. That's a home series all weekend. Looking for them, if they can come out of that Dallas Baptist series 2-1 and one, and then play Old Miss close on, on Tuesday the 7th, you're looking at a Southern Miss team that really legitimately could make a lot of noise in conference once conference play starts. I feel really good about what they've been able to do inside the confines of Pete Taylor Park. One of the things about NIL is a young man who has really caught everyone by firestorm on the plains and you'll be hearing a lot more as we've talked a little bit about him here on the final drive with you is ike irish and bomb horrors victory grill went ahead and signed him and chris stanfield to nil deals what what does that say about this young man at Auburn and his ability to go ahead and generate excitement, not only for himself as a freshman, but for the continuation of Auburn baseball. I mean, as a true freshman, Ike Irish is already hitting in the three hole, right? Uh, he's, he's got 19 hits and 33 at-bats over eight games, and just about every game but one, he's got multiple hits. He's one of the more advanced freshman hitters I've seen in a, in a very long time. Uh, Definitely something where knowing he's a true freshman, knowing you've got him for three years, barring some sort of transfer, which I don't think is going to happen, uh, it has to make you feel really good about the future hopes of this program competing for a national championship. And then knowing you have these three stud freshman pitchers that you brought in, Zach Crotchbelt, who's going to start on Sunday, as well as uh, Hayden Murphy and Drew Nelson, just thinking about him catching their games for the next two or three seasons has to have Auburn fans hopeful for the future competitiveness of this roster. Which Thompson loves to have a stud catcher. Uh, Nate LaRue from the Mobile area is a stud defensive catcher now. Ike Irish is that next college superstar going forward. 
We're speaking with Lindsey Crosby. He's a senior baseball writer for the Auburn Daily, and you just mentioned this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Auburn taking on Lipscomb before jumping in to play next Tuesday with another interstate rivalry, UAB, and next Wednesday taking on Jacksonville State. So we mentioned a few weeks ago that really baseball teams throughout the entire state of Alabama, of course your power fives are really showing a lot of love to these in-state schools and giving them an opportunity. It may not be a three-game series, but at least playing the UABs or the South Alabamas or the Jacksonville states of the world all within your own state. And what I love, too, that both Auburn and Alabama do is they're not afraid to go on the road. Uh, next week, or sorry, two weeks from now, Alabama's going to South Alabama. Auburn went to Jacksonville State. Uh, we'll go there again next week. And uh, it's something where it, one, it takes your program to the fans that you have that aren't necessarily just at home by traveling around. But it also gives these schools an opportunity from a revenue perspective to bring in some more, some more uh, ticket sales, more concessions, help those programs. And then obviously it also helps you recruit a lot of these high schoolers that are out in other parts of the state. So it's a smart move both from a program-building standpoint, from a fan perspective, and then from a coaching standpoint to highlight the talent that's in the state, give these schools an opportunity to host an Auburn or an Alabama, and then gives you an opportunity to have an excuse to go out and visit some recruits while you're out there. So great move all around. Not every state does this. Not every state school does this. I love how the state of Alabama as a whole supports baseball at all levels of college. Well, you know, Mike asked a question about surprises so far that have started here as the NCAA baseball season is probably close to in its second week of full action. As we get ready to begin this weekend series with Auburn and Lipscomb, do you feel like Auburn should be able to go ahead and sweep this series, or do you feel like Auburn is 100% healthy going into this three-game series? So you're not 100% healthy. You're not going to have um, ace Joseph Gonzalez. He's, he had a recurrence of that shoulder issue that held him out of, sp uh, out of spring. He's not going to pitch this weekend, and he's probably not going to be available next weekend. They're targeting him to come back for the first conference play uh, weekend against Arkansas, but definitely something where Auburn has to be aiming to at least win the series, if not sweep. They got a lot better from week one to week two. That third game has been a little bit iffy. They lost game, game three to Indiana. They tied against USC last weekend. I very much think that if as long as they can score six or seven runs per game, they have a chance to win all three of these games against Lipscomb. But it's not going to be a success unless they probably win the series at least. I still like the odds of them sweeping the series, though, just because this, this team better understands what they're trying to do offensively, and they, they're healthy enough where they should be able to get plenty of pitching throughout the weekend. Well, we'll definitely continue to get updates weekly on how the Auburn Tigers baseball team is doing, and there's a lot of local interest because there's a lot of local flavor on that roster, and we've talked about that as well. And, and 
really people want to know how the local guys are doing from Mobile, Alabama, from Baldwin County, and who better person than Lindsey Crosby to keep us up to date on how those Auburn Tigers are doing when it comes to baseball. And, Lindsey, how can people follow you if they want to keep up with all the comings and goings and who's healthy and who's not healthy with Auburn baseball? Absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball, and all of the Auburn baseball writing is at AuburnDaily.com. Completely free, your best source for free Auburn baseball coverage. Lindsey Crosby joining us here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. When we come back, we'll talk. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. It's a Thursday edition of the final drive. And with it being a Thursday edition, we know at 1130 this morning, South Alabama men's basketball hooped it up against their opponent, Appalachian State. And App State came up on the short end of the stick. 68-61, to 61, the Jaguars were victorious and will be moving on to play Southern Miss at 11.30 a.m. on Saturday. The great thing for the South Alabama Jaguars were all five starters scored in double figures. And I know I've seen every game that South Alabama has played this year. And if not the first there has not been too many games to where South Alabama has all five of their starting lineup in double figures. Isaiah Moore, uh, first-team All-Sum Belt Conference performer, scored 20 points. Kevin Samuel, the big fella, wound up with 12 points and 15 rebounds. Owen White had 14 points. Turbo Jones, 10 points. And Judah Brown with 11 points. As again, the South Alabama Jaguars were victorious today in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament in advance to the quarterfinal round where they will wind up playing the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. And when you look at the three-point shot for South Alabama, 9 out of 23 today, 39%. Free throws, the Jags were 5 out of 10. App State, 3 out of 6. So when you start looking at how aggressive South Alabama was, going to the line 10 times, App State could not have been that aggressive, only going to the line 6 total times. South Alabama did out-rebound App State, and App State concludes its season at 16 and 16. The Jaguars are now 17 and 15, 9 and 9 in the conference. Richie Ryler and the guys have won nine out of their last 11 games, and that's huge when you start talking about March Madness and playing your best basketball at this time of year is exactly what Richie Riley and the Jaguars needed and were asking for, Mike, and that's so very important to survive in advance at this time of year. Yeah, it was a good one for the Jags today. I mean, it looked uh, looked in doubt for a minute there, but uh, they got it done. You know, 
full team win. Everyone contributed for him today. Like you said, everyone in double figures in the starting lineup. So, uh, you know, that's what you want. Absolutely, and that's really unheard of when you start talking about it. And also in Sun Belt Conference play today, the Trojans of Troy. They just wrap up a, a victory. 63 to 59 winners were Troy, and they will move on to the quarterfinals also. So, so far, a strong start here in the state of Alabama as Troy and South Alabama are both victorious in the Sun Belt Conference tournament being held at the Pensacola Bay Center. And that's huge when you start talking about survive and advance. That's the name of the game once you get to March. You know, come, uh, you know, even for Alabama, a week from now, every uh, every game is, you know, I mean, you got to consider every game is your last. So leave it all out on the court. I mean, I, we, we talked a little, obviously, uh, you know, about Bruce Pearl and all that, but I think a story that needs to be acknowledged from last night, too, Alabama's not playing their best basketball right now going into a season where you need to be playing their your best basketball. Uh, Javon Quinterly is playing his best basketball, a guy who's had an up-and-down year and uh, at times deservedly received some criticism, but, uh, you know, he, he had 24-6 and six and zero turnovers. I had to apologize to him last night for uh, negative things <laughs> I've said about him. Just, yeah, I, I, you know, I had to put a right hand up and say I was wrong. You know, they, they need March JQ, but... Yeah, overall as a team, you can't be going. Uh, you can't be going down 17 regularly and expect to to just be winning games now. So yeah, they got to tune some things up. I, I'm a little bit concerned overall where this team is at headed into March. Well, they're heading on March 1st to becoming regular season SEC champions for the second time under Nate Oates, and I think that's huge when you start talking about trying to establish yourself as a basketball powerhouse in the country. And I know Auburn under Bruce Pearl, they've kind of established themselves within the last four years of really running this state in regards to being the first to make it to a Final Four, and that was historic in and of itself for the Auburn Tigers. But Alabama cuts down the Nets last night in overtime, 90-85, to 85, and were victorious. But there were some other shocking games and results in the SEC. Kentucky at home loses to Vanderbilt. That's right, I said Vanderbilt, and the Vanderbilt Commodores, I know that makes my mom extremely happy as she is a Vanderbilt graduate, 68-66. to 66. Vanderbilt and Jerry Stackhouse find a way to defeat Kentucky, and I felt after the dismantling of Auburn this past Saturday, I felt like Kentucky, and apparently so did they, would walk through Vanderbilt, Mike. Yeah, that's a letdown performance for uh, for Big Blue. I mean, at least they're they're in in terms of tournament status, so they'll be okay uh, in terms of they're not on the bubble, and this isn't going to bury them, but. Same thing. I mean, you want to be playing your best basketball right now, and they have been really for the past couple of weeks, and, and that's a little bit of a setback. But maybe it won't be the worst thing. You know, headed in, headed into March, you get taken down a peg morally, and uh, we'll see we'll see how Cal and, uh, and and the team as a whole reacts to it. 
Also want to share in regards to SEC action, you start looking at the Florida Gators having Trey Bonham as their starting point guard at times this season. The Florida Gators are 15-15. and 15. They will take on LSU, but Bonham was named to the SEC Community Service Team, and that just goes to show you the type of character that this young man has from UMS Wright and the discipline that he has as well, jumping in from UMS to BMI and then getting in that transfer portal, but continuing to give back to kids in the community. Trey Bonham, one of UMS Wright's finest, their all-time leading scorer in school history. So congratulations to Trey Bonham. You're listening to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner producing the show Behind the Glass. You can always give us a call. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us. And we'll be right back here on the final drive. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. I'm Corey Labounty along with Michael Bronner taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And the story of today has been South Alabama advancing to the quarterfinals to take on the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. They are ranked number one coming into Sunbelt Conference play in South Alabama dismantled the Golden Eagles when they came to the Mitchell Center a couple of weeks ago. So Richie Riley and the guys are definitely going to take the Golden Eagles' best shot. But you have a, a day to kind of relax and recharge. I say relax and recharge. What I mean by that is to where when you have any type of nagging injuries that South Alabama may have, you can go ahead and get an extra day to get treatment on that in between the time that they tip off now. And one of the injuries that I'm talking about is by Greg Parham and Parham had an injury where he tweaked his knee in warm-ups and was not able to go he averages nine and a half points per game but with that knee injury and tweaking it during warm-ups he wasn't able to give coach Richie Riley everything that he really normally would have. He was able to play a little bit, but not give coach Riley the number of minutes that he normally does. The Foley Lady Lions, they come up short today as they made history by making it here to the final four, but they lose to Sparkman. The Lady Senators defeat them 51 to 33. And again, Foley, 23-6 and six on the season, Mike, have eight young ladies on their roster in 7A girls basketball, but came up short against Sparkman today. But a wonderful season for Foley and their head coach, Coach Franklin. So congratulations to the Foley Lady Lions. In the first hour, we were talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide and Nate Oates and Bruce Pearl and the robbery that is 
a great one between the two institutions, Alabama and Auburn, and a 10-point spread was what the odds makers had Alabama winning by last night. But when you looked at probably the 16-minute mark of that game and Alabama's trailing by close to 16 or 17 points, that was tough for people to sit through in Coleman Coliseum. They were really sitting on their hands waiting to explode, but Alabama's offense exploded right around the time that we had a couple of ejections in the game for the University of Alabama. And to me, after the ejections is when there was a 10-minute delay and the crowd really got involved in the game and pulling Alabama through to see them cut down the nets. And I know after the game, when I looked around, you didn't see a lot of people who had left the game, Mike. There were a lot of fans who want to witness that history of Alabama cutting down the nets against the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, I, that, that was special. That, that was really special last night because uh, keep in mind, when they did cut down the nets last time at Coleman Coliseum, there weren't really fans there to see it. Uh, so yeah, Alabama fans deserved that moment last night, and uh, they, they savored every minute of it. That Man, I, I, I've never heard it sound so loud in that building on TV, on the radio. Uh, that, that that was that was just special last night. H- have you ever heard a rammer jammer chant on TV sound that loud? Because that that was that was pretty unbelievable. It, it's tough to to sit there and say I have because again, Alabama 16 and one in conference play, 26 and four overall. But the last couple of times that Alabama has become SEC regular season champions. Not talking about SEC conference play champions, but regular season champions. We know a couple of years ago, you go ahead and you lose in the second round and you you don't have an opportunity to really make it to the Elite Eight because only one or two Alabama teams in the history of the program have made it to the Elite Eight. No team has made it to the Final Four for the University of Alabama Crimson Tide basketball. And with Birmingham being the site of the March Madness mania that will be in the first and second rounds, Alabama wants to break that trend, definitely make it to the Sweet 16, and have an opportunity to punch that ticket to the Elite Eight coming right out of Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, they got to play better. They play like they did last night, or like they did against Arkansas. They're they're they ain't making it past the Sweet 16. I'll tell you, I, they'll they'll lose to the four or five. If they heck, they could lose to in the second round to the eight or nine if if, if they play the way they've been playing. That, that's why I said they're. I it's it's a bit concerning the the way they they've looked over the past few. Obviously, you're able to pull off wins against both Auburn and Arkansas, but. You can't put yourself in these kinds of holes. Uh, you got to start well. And, and, and I mean, South Carolina is a good example too. You just South Carolina is a bad team. Uh, you're going like even even the 16 seed. You, uh, you South Carolina is probably better than the 16 seed you're going to play. But I mean, the eight or nine seed you play, but it's going to be a significantly better team than a South Carolina. So uh, it's. The, <laughs> Again, just if you play the way you've played over the past three games, you can get beat in the second round quite easily. You will get beat if you continue to play 
not all the way up to your potential. And we saw against Arkansas, Alabama, I think, only made three three-pointers. And last night, they went ahead and made eight out of 31. And sooner or later, if you're going to continue not necessarily to live by the three, die by the three, because we have shown the tendencies when Alabama shoots the ball well, the box score shows that Alabama's margin of victory is going to be 20 or more in SEC play. But shooting the rock in the NCAA tournament at a high clip, if you don't do that, Alabama's shown that they can win a couple of games that way. But I don't think that Nate Oates wants to go ahead and sit there and see Brandon Miller only have nine points going into the under four media timeout and him having to find a way to manufacture points to get into the double figures. Yeah, Brandon's, Brandon's interesting. I mean, because it feels like there are times when he can't be guarded. Uh, there were a couple of examples of that last night. But overall, he didn't have a very good offensive game last night. He, he probably, you could argue he had his best defensive game of the season last night. Uh, and, and you love to see that when, when he's struggling a bit on one end of the floor. He, he's making up for it and making a huge impact on the other end. It, he's gotten so much better over the course of this season just as a two-way player. And, uh, you know, being able to contribute on both sides of the ball. And just, you know, being a more well-rounded basketball player, I, I think uh, Nate Oates has done a phenomenal job making him into a better basketball player. So I, that has just been phenomenal phenomenal to see, uh, especially on a night he was, again, not by his standards at least, struggling on the offensive end. Yeah, they did struggle on the offensive end. Brandon Miller only three out of 12, one out of six from beyond the arc, but did have 17 points and eight rebounds. And after every game, Alabama's Nate Oates loves to give out the hard hat award. And Brandon Miller was able to win that hard hat award. And I know that Nate Oates also had some things to say about his overall team's performance in the post-game news conference. The last couple of months, you know, what were the emotions like when that buzzer finally sounded? Listen, I, I, I just couldn't be more proud of this group, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously, it's a heartbreaking situation that's never lost on us. But kids have worked really hard. Winning the SEC is not an easy thing to do. I mean, look at the teams in this league. It's a great league. You know, I, I just I can't tell you how proud I am of this group this year. This year's. with those post-game quotes and comments. And when you start looking, I know in hour number three, we'll go ahead and play back again 
Bruce Pearl's comments. As a matter of fact, Mike, if you can, when we come out of this break, we'll cue up Coach Pearl's comments that we're at an all-time great rage level from a head coach, but it was definitely Radio Gold in regards to what he had to say about the officiating and why his players did not have an opportunity. My name is David Palmer, and I'm on WNFC 105.5. You know, obviously they made some made some plays. We had a hard time staying in front of them at the end of the day. Um, I'm just sick and tired of our guys getting smashed down there. Smashed! Talk about the, the, the final possession in, in regulation, Coach. Um, you had the ball with about 25 seconds to go. Yep, you got a middle ball screen. Wendell got a good look. Their guys... Uh, you know, had a clean one. That would have been a great, you know, great way to end it. What defensively were you able to do tonight um, in over a good portion of the game against this Alabama offense? Played hard. Played physically. Message. Did the best job we could to keep off the offensive boards. Message to your ball club after this one, Bruce. Just we played hard, it played well. You know, if, if that's the number one team in the country, you know, come on a road, hostile environment. You know, but we needed that one to get the NCAA and we and we didn't get it. Dylan Cardwell's hurt. He's probably not gonna play against um, Tennessee because of his injury. We need his physicality. He got he got fouled down there at the uh, uh, in, in, at the end of the game. So Coach, just talk about what, what Saturday represents now. Oh, just we'll get ready to play Tennessee. We were, we were incredibly outmanned at the end. Had three, four guys on the bench in foul trouble. Joke! You know what the best part of that clip is, Corey? <laughs> what you got, Mike? <laughs> Before he... Uh, I, I, I assume it's Andy Bertram. I'm, I'm actually not sure. but It is. It, yeah, so a Andy asks him, what does this game at against Tennessee represent on Saturday? And and he said, he, he doesn't even acknowledge that he asked that question. He just immediately, instead of even talking about the game against Tennessee on Saturday, he just chooses to further complain about the refs and how they were shorthand. That's not even what the question was. The question was entirely about how do you move forward and focus on Tennessee. But instead, it's like, we were shorthanded at the end. Joke! Joke! <laughs> that it's wasn't even the gold, question. Mike. It is radio gold, but, you know, when you do have three starters to foul out, Broom, Williams, Cardwell had four fouls and then goes out with an ankle injury and then Flanagan fouls out. Flanagan wound up having 17 points. Williams had 15. Broom had 10. KD Johnson wound up having 21 points and really I know a lot of people felt that he should have had the basketball a lot more than Wendell Green Jr. But 
I understand Coach Pearl's frustration with the loss, and I think that it was just a combination and almost a perfect storm for Coach Pearl and Andy Burcham. I know Coach Pearl absolutely loves Andy Burcham. Andy Burcham is one of the best in the business. He's been on the final drive, but that is such a tough, tough loss for Bruce Pearl because he's going back and he's thinking about all the late-game collapses that the Auburn Tigers have had, and they've had an opportunity to close some games and have not been able to do that when you go back and you start looking at their schedule Mike you you look at the the loss to Vanderbilt that had to sting the way that they played against Kentucky was not up to Auburn's basketball standards you lose to Alabama at home 77 to 69 you have an opportunity to beat Texas A&M but some questionable calls there against Texas A&M Cost you. They exactly. They have Auburn and Tennessee playing one another. A forty-six to forty-three game. If you were to tell me that was the final score, I would have told you that Auburn would have won that game forty-six to forty-three. But they were not able to close on that one. So within the last month, from February first when they beat Georgia ninety-four to seventy-three, up until the time they played Alabama last night, that's what you're talking about within the last month. How many games Auburn just could not close, Mike? And that's part of Bruce Pearl's frustration about why they could not close. Yeah, I mean, and he has every right to be frustrated. Uh, you know, that I'm not criticizing him and haven't criticized him for being frustrated. He should be frustrated. Uh, his, team, his team blew a 17-point lead with 12 minutes left. He, he has every right to be frustrated. I, I, I just think his frustration is a bit misdirected as as for last night again 62 percent from the free throw line but more free throws would have solved the issue i understand the shorthanded comment uh you know with with key guys fouling out but again that being said rylan griffin and charles bidiaco were kicked out of the game it's not like alabama was at full strength either uh so it's just, you know i again i understand he's he's heated after the game he's frustrated but it, 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 there are other directions he could have taken that. I didn't expect him to take it in any other direction because, again, you're asking a coach who just lost the game to sit courtside while Alabama fans are yeah, still were, giving they, him the they business. They were yelling at him. <laughs> they were, and, they were giving him a hard I mean, time. That part is really, really tough, Mike. I know that when you're sitting there trying to compose yourself on the road after the game is over and the fans have kind of filtered out, you didn't have many Alabama fans that left Coleman Coliseum and the entire student body that was right there was absolutely grilling Bruce Pearl and he probably couldn't hear himself think, much less know that it was a heated battle to where his team loses another close game to one of the best Alabama Crimson Tide regular season teams ever. Well, he just knows that another one slipped away, and that that really was the joke of the day, the fact yeah. that Auburn let another game, and this one, they weren't up 17 when Alabama and Auburn played the first time. No, but they should have Alabama won. may have trailed close to 12, 
but I know I it wasn't it was close to 17 or 18. I was like five. It was like five with a few minutes left. And, and I, you know, I hate to go full gump here, but I got to take it in this direction for a second. I mean, deservedly so. Bruce was was getting it from the student section. Keep in mind. This is the same guy who, after the sweep last year, pulled out the the hop crane and pulled out the broom in front of the student section. I mean, you're you're gonna do that and then get swept the next year. You're, you're gonna hear it from from the opposing like student Charlie. section. I, again, you know, I understand why he's frustrated, but you know, what do you think is gonna happen? Well, I think what's going to happen when you sit there and you have a crane kick, you're never going to live that one down exactly. in regards to doing that, Mike. You're not going to live that crane kick down. Hey, you didn't see Nate Oates pulling out a broom last night. You didn't see Nate Oates. You didn't see Nate Oates pulling out a broom last night. No, I, 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 but I know almost all the student body had one, and they made sure Bruce Pearl saw it after the game, and it does sting the fact that if you're an Auburn Tiger fan, you had to sit there and endure a sweep of Alabama this season and the fact that the tide has literally turned in the state within two years from Auburn making it all the way to the Final Four to Alabama becoming regular season champions for the second time in three years yeah i mean again i understand the frustration no doubt no question about it mike but at the end of the day alabama comes away is your 2022 23 regular season sec basketball champion goes on to become 26 and 4 16 and 1 in the conference We'll see how Alabama shows up against Texas A&M here coming Saturday. And that's why I want to see, can Alabama continue to sustain it? This is the Tide and Tiger Report on 105.5 FM and online at WNSP.com. It's all Auburn and Alabama sports brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker. Welcome back here to our number three of the final drive and the Titan Tiger Report. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brauner, bringing you this final drive Titan Tiger Report. I'm live here at Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Alabama, which is site to the 2023 AHSAA Boys and Girls State Basketball Championships, and there's been some outstanding games as well as currently now the 1A Girls State Championship is going on. And you look at Friday, we will have St. Luke's playing for a state championship. And last night, we had an outstanding basketball battle between Alabama and Auburn, and it was a game that will really be remembered by most if you're an Alabama fan by Alabama winning the regular season SEC Men's Basketball Championship against your arch rival Auburn. If you're an Auburn fan, you will probably remember this game on March 1st as the one that got away and the fact that not only as an Auburn fan, you were probably unhappy with the result, 
that you remember the outburst that Bruce Pearl had that was an all-time classic rant. And someone who probably has listened to that rant more than once today is Brian Matthews, who's a sports writer for Auburn.Rivals.com. Brian, good evening, and welcome to the final drive in the Titan Tiger Report with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. Actually, i got to confess, I have not heard the rant. I was at baseball. I watched the basketball game and then uh, drove out to play some part to catch in the baseball game. So I missed all the post game. Our other guys uh, uh, covered that for us. So I have not actually heard that. I've heard about it, but not heard it firsthand. Well, I tell you what, if if Michael is able, with me being here in Birmingham and Michael being behind the glass there in WNSP, if he's able to play that rant, I would love for you to hear it because it was at an all-time level of radio gold. And what I mean by that, you know, you practice. We're talking about practice. We've heard that one by Jim Mora and Allen Iverson, and we are who we thought they were. Dennis Green making that one. But yeah. this one, Michael, if you're able to play it, please play that one for not only Brian Matthews but for our listening audience. Um, you know, obviously they made some made some plays. We had a hard time staying in front of them at the end of the day. Um, I'm just sick and tired of our guys getting smashed down there. Smashed! Yeah, we'll go with just a couple of seconds of it for now. We've already played it a couple of times today, Brian, so, you know, I, I won't subject the listeners yeah. to the full two-minute rant again. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what the do you think about that, Brian? Obviously, right? With, with the team, uh, with the coach, there's been a fairly large discrepancy in foul calls for Auburn the last several games. Um, so I just think the frustration level is really high there, obviously. Well, when you start looking at what was at stake for the Auburn basketball program, they had an opportunity to take it to an all-time high in regards to getting eligible for the NCAA tournament because Alabama being the number two ranked team in the country, you had a chance to get that 20th win, and Bruce Pearl has made no qualms about it. They needed to win these last two games, not one out of two, but both of them, to guarantee themselves an opportunity to play and punch their ticket as an at-large contender in the NCAA tournament. Well, I definitely think beating Alabama and Tennessee would have clinched it. I still think a win over Tennessee at home is going to put Auburn in a really good position just because they have a really high net ranking still and they played a pretty good schedule overall. So. Um, we'll see how things go Saturday. That's, that's a that's a must win, though. I would say uh, they lose Saturday and they're in big, big, big trouble. Um, so that'll be a big game, uh, the the final regular season game. Uh, Neville Arena, I would expect, will be very fired up and um, uh, hoping to you know have an effect on Tennessee and uh, you know give those Tigers a win. Well, there's a lot of great things that are going on around the campus of Auburn. I know we earlier today we talked a little bit about Auburn's baseball, but Auburn's softball right now is red hot. And, of course, we do have spring practice that is going on for the new Auburn head football coach, Hugh Freeze. So there's a lot of excitement going around not only 
softball, not only football getting started up, but gymnastics has continued to do well. So a lot of great sports accomplishments going on the plains right now. Yeah, we are talking about practice, right? <laughs> um, but I would say that, uh, you know, football practice, they practice Monday. We were out there for 20 minutes. Uh, they went again Wednesday, both in shorts. And they'll be, uh, I think they'll be in full pads, and most of full pads Friday. Then they'll take a whole week off for spring break. So they won't, um, you know, get it back going until, um, you know, another week from now. So uh, I, th I think, um, you know, first impressions, a lot of pace. The practice um, looked pretty organized for a first practice with a, a brand new coach and 21 new players. You know, I expected it not to look as smooth as it did. And uh, certainly tempo is a big part of, of this, this team. You can see it already in the way they're going about it. Well, I think the excitement is second to none in regards to any time you have a new coach and you continue to retain Cadillac Williams, who energized this Auburn program that was at a standstill and really needed like a dead car battery, needed that jump. And he was able to do that. And even when you play in Texas A&M last year with the losing record, it was shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder at Jordan-Hare Stadium in support of one Cadillac Williams, and I know that's the type of support that Hugh Freeze wants to continue to see out of this Auburn fan base for an entire regular season. Yeah, I would say that Texas A&M game was one of the more special uh, events I've covered in my 22 years on the beach, um, the way Auburn turned out, not just for the game, but for Tiger Walk and, and just the whole uh, you know, the whole day, really. And um, I, I thought it was big for him keeping Cadillac and Jack Ethers. They were offered two best assistant coaches. They're the only two assistants that were consistently out there recruiting and getting good players at their positions. And, uh, you know, I think he did a good job going out there and getting two um, very experienced coordinators to free uh, you freeze up to do more one-on-one -on -one recruiting, which is what Auburn needed and which is what he's bringing to Auburn right now. Brian, uh, getting back to basketball, obviously, I think, sat like you said, Saturday is probably a, a, a must win. It, if Auburn isn't able to pull it off in Neville Arena against Tennessee, which I believe they will. I mean, Zakai Ziegler now out, which you never root for injury, but obviously that is going to work to Auburn's benefit. Uh, if if right. somehow the Volunteers are able to go into Auburn and pull off a victory, how many games in the SEC tournament do you think Auburn needs to win to make the, to make the big dance? Well, they're gonna uh, they're gonna be positioned where they get it. Well, you know that first round buy, but they're not they're, they 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 can't be in the top four and get you know the two buys. So um, they probably have to make a run to, to at least Saturday, maybe Sunday, to be honest with you, um, because you know I think people get excited about what happens at the end, and this is the end. Tennessee game is too, but you know I think um, the committee looks at the the entire you know, um, resume that a team has. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure how much, you know, a big run of, of wins if you lose another game and finish 500 in the SEC is going to help Auburn. So, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know that this team is built to do that either, to be honest with you. Uh, the thing I admire about this team is they have continued to fight. They've had disappointment after disappointment, obviously very frustrated to keep losing these close games. But then they show up, you know, three, three days later and they fight their tails off again. Uh, so I think they deserve credit for that, and I think you will see that against Tennessee. 
We're speaking with Brian Matthews, who have been covering the Auburn Tigers since 2001, and he's with Auburn.Rivals.com. And one of the key cogs of Auburn's spring football practice, one in which Hugh Freeze came before you guys and said he does not have a depth chart going into this spring, so don't expect to see one. But what you do expect to see is improvement in the offensive line, and I know that that's something that's of great concern for a lot of Auburn Tigers fans and with new coaching staff means you do have a new offensive line coach, that being Jake Thornton. Yeah, and I think um, I think they've done a great job addressing that really big need right away. They brought in seven offensive linemen in January. Three of them were transfers. One of them was a JUCO uh, signee, and I think those four guys have a chance to be starters or be you know a big part of that offensive line as a key backup. Uh, so that was big, just getting those bodies in there. And uh, I think they've got 14 scholarship linemen uh, right now that are competing for those five spots. So I think that helps a lot, too, to have that much competition. And, you know, Jake Thornton has talked about giving everybody shots, moving people around, you know, making them earn their spot every day. So I think this is going to be a very competitive spring, not just for the offensive line, but really just about every single position on the team that is open, for, uh, you know, is wide open and, uh, you know, a starting spot is up for grabs. Well, that's all you could ask for is going into fall camp for all positions to be up for grabs and for you to control your own destiny. But, you know, we talked earlier in the week about the facilities and the improvements that Auburn has made around campus, and Auburn's new athletic director has mentioned the improvements. How big yeah. is that when it comes to recruiting, and where does Auburn stand now after having their first class come in, whether you're an early enrollee here in January or when you finish the signing date in February, but facilities and knowing that there's going to be stability here from a coaching standpoint, what that means to recruiting? Well, I think you Freeze and his staff uh, are making the biggest difference in recruiting. If this was five years ago, I would have told you that new football performance center, which is fantastic, would make a big difference. But now what makes a big difference is the NIL. That's what matters, right? Uh, the yes. era of the, um, you know, the building the biggest and the best football center, that's over. Doesn't mean it's not important to have it, right? Because if, if you don't have it and somebody else has it, that can make a little bit of a difference. But the big difference has come from NIL. So that's what matters now in today's college football recruiting, along with the things that always mattered. Being close to home, always big, and then having that personal relationship, which is always important. Guy like Williams, Zach Etheridge, really, really, um, that's one of their strengths is building that relationship with, with those recruits. You freeze has the same ability. So uh, that's good for Auburn right now. Having that facility is a plus, but it's not as big a plus as it would have been five or ten years ago. 
Brian, the last quick question I have for you. The Auburn women's basketball program in action in the SEC women's basketball tournament that's being held. They're playing Georgia currently, and they lead Georgia 10-9 to late in the first quarter. And I know that Auburn would love to have this win against Georgia for Coach Harris here in this opening round of the SEC tournament. Yeah, you know, they got just 15 wins uh, this season, you know, uh, the first winning season in quite a while. Um, they've, they've consistently improved uh, under Coach Harris, and, um, you know, getting a win in the tournament would be another big step forward for this program that, you know, back in the day when I was in school, they went to, I think it was three or four straight Final Fours, right? So this has been a premier program, um, but it certainly slipped a lot over the last, you know, five to ten years. Without question, your coverage of Auburn never slips, though. And let's talk and let everyone know, Brian Matthews, how everyone can follow you and how they can get up to date on all Auburn all the time. Man, I appreciate that. Um, you can follow me online at uh, Twitter, BMATAU is my handle there, and you can just go to AuburnSports.com anytime, sign up for a free trial. We have a ton of coverage of recruiting, football, basketball, baseball, softball, you name it, all there at AuburnSports.com. Appreciate it. Brian Matthews joining us this evening on the final drive in the Tide and Tiger Report. You're listening to the Tide and Tiger Report on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Welcome back to the final drive and the Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. And we just finished up talking with Brian Matthews about the Auburn Tigers. And, Michael, I know that in our next segment we'll be talking to Chase Goodbread, but an all-time epic rant by Bruce Pearl and... Again, Coach Pearl just really frustrated with not only the officiating, but the, his team's inability to finish games and knowing that Cardwell goes down with an injury and they have to face the Tennessee Volunteers without having all of his players at his disposal. You, you, if you're not going to get into the NCAA tournament, you at least want to be able to do so against a Tennessee volunteer team that is missing one of their best players as well. Ziegler goes out with the torn ACL earlier this week. And I tell you, Auburn, it is a must win against Tennessee because you can't rely on winning a couple of games when it comes down to the SEC tournament. Yeah, I, I mean, Brian said it. Uh, you don't want to leave it up to chance, and you have an opportunity on Saturday to pretty much lock it up. I mean, I, I think if you win Saturday, even if you lose your first SEC tournament game, you're, you're probably in. You, you, like, I mean, we said it for the last week. You really just needed to win one of these last three. You get smoked at Kentucky. Obviously, what happened last night happened. And uh, and now you got the opportunity against Tennessee, the last home game of the season, the only home game of these three difficult games. And, uh, you know, they have an opportunity ahead of them here. So 
we'll, we'll see how they rally from uh, just what, what was a devastating defeat. I mean, all ref stuff and injury stuff aside, I mean, that's just morally a, a devastating defeat last night. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, Auburn was going to have an opportunity to try to put itself in a double buy situation. And now when you look at it, they're all the way down in seventh place. And with a nine and eight overall record and Vanderbilt's in front of you, a team that you lost to in Nashville, Missouri is in front of you a team that you absolutely obliterated you're getting ready to face the tennessee volunteers on saturday you got bashed by the kentucky wildcats and you lost a close game to texas a&m and alabama so with this Auburn Tigers team, again, coming into the postseason, I said it yesterday, what you want to see is the best of the best coming out of the SEC tournament and everyone being healthy to get outstanding games. But it's such a doggy dog conference to where when you lose games that you're supposed to win, it can be a huge difference maker in making the NCAA in the big dance or the NIT. Yeah, I mean, we, we had the conversation a couple segments ago. There, the, Auburn ha, has had opportunities to win games that they probably wouldn't be on the bubble right now if, if they had went, won a couple of those games. I mean, the Vanderbilt game, the first Tennessee game, which you could complain about the call at the end of the game, but you, know, you score 40 points. Not, you're not going to win a whole lot of games scoring 40 points. Um, so, yeah, there, there were opportunities there, but that you can't dwell on that at this point. You've got to just focus on what's ahead. And what's ahead is the Tennessee Volunteers coming into this Saturday matchup, trying to get win number 20. And we mentioned earlier the Auburn baseball team going into a three-game series this weekend as well, and they've had a lot of success, 6-1-1. One overall so they've been quite successful and with football starting up Hugh Freeze he unequivocally says in his meeting with the media earlier this week all he wants is equal reps and the coaching staff that are new to these players to have an opportunity to where he doesn't create a depth chart in the spring. He's going to allow that to play out in the fall, and I absolutely love that approach by head coach Hugh Freeze. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's uh, that's the mindset you need to have, taking over, uh, taking over what he is being handed in terms of, you know, Brian Harson. So. No question about it. You're listening to the final drive on WNSP with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. This has been the Tide and Tiger Report. And on the other side of this break, we will have Chase Goodbridge, who definitely covers the Alabama Crimson Tide. And we'll find out if he was in the seats last night in Coleman Coliseum and what he had an opportunity to witness if he was. You're listening to the Tide and Tiger Report on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Phil Steele, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. 
Welcome back to the final drive and the Titan Tiger Report with Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Bronner taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And we'll take this opportunity to make his debut on the final drive and talk about the Crimson Tide and what went down at Coleman Coliseum last night. Chase Goodbridge does an outstanding job covering the Crimson Tide for the Tuscaloosa News as well as co-hosting the Crimson Cover and Talking Tide. And Chase, good evening and welcome to the Tide and Tiger Report on the final drive. Good, good to be in. How are y'all? Absolutely blessed by the best, sir. I'm here in Birmingham, Alabama, which is hosting the AHSAA State Basketball Championships. And here in a couple of weeks, they'll be hosting the NCAA March Madness first and second rounds. And it appears that the Alabama Crimson Tide, for the first time ever, will have an opportunity to be a number one seed and play at least one game here, and if they handle their business, two for sure, right here in their own backyard at Legacy Arena. Yeah, I've, I've been, uh, I, ever since I realized Birmingham was going to have a first and second round venue for the tournament, I've been keeping an eye on where Alabama was, and, and uh, I think they're going to be in Birmingham, even if they're a two seed. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens. And, and, and the way they're playing, they're looking more like a one. But there's still enough basketball left to be played that if they don't play well against Texas A&M and maybe don't play well in the tournament, you know, maybe they end up a two. But I, I, look, right now, anyway, it certainly looks like they're headed for a one. No question about it. And Chase, did you have an opportunity to be inside the electric Coleman Coliseum last night and to really get a sense or a vibe how this Alabama Crimson Tide team fed off of it? Yeah, it was remarkable, really. It's about the loudest I've ever heard Coleman Coliseum. And I've been in Coleman. Uh, I was in Coleman for the Wimp Sanderson years. It was just as big then. Uh, but uh, I don't think it was quite as loud. And, you know, there have been some other, obviously, Godfrey's teams. Those, those crowds were strong. The loudest I've ever heard it last night uh, in Coleman. They had it filled up on a Wednesday night for a midweeker. Obviously, against Auburn, you'd expect them to fill it any day of the week. But it was uh, – it was loud, and it was even loud when they were down 14, when they were down 17. Uh, it, it, uh, it really it never stopped, even, even when it looked like Auburn was going to win easily. Chase, yeah, I mean, you brought up Auburn. It looked like Auburn was going to win easily, and uh, it just felt like last night, even watching on TV, that the crowd never got out of it, even though it was a 17-point game. It, it, I feel like college basketball is probably the greatest example where home court advantage matters, and your home fans, it almost felt like last night Alabama was willing that basketball team to, to make a comeback. You know, you kind of got the sense, and, and Nate Oates said it after the game in his post-game remarks, he felt like the noise kind of fired him, uh, kind of fueled him for that second-half run, is, is I think how he put it. And, you know, it, it was uh, 
uh, actually not the greatest game for Brandon Miller. Uh, he, he made some free throws, and he did a few things well, but it, but for the most part, it was all, an off night for him. Uh, but they probably got the best game Devon Quinterly's played all season, 24 points, six assists, no turnovers, and, and he really gave Auburn a lot of problems uh, with the penetration. They were not able to stay with him, and he was able to get that layup off pretty clean uh, when, when he got his blow bys. Chase, one of the things that I know Alabama really enjoyed was the fact that not only could they cut those nets down, they could do so at Coleman Coliseum. Again, the second time under Nate Oates' era that they've been regular season champions, but the last time they won it, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure that they were able to do it when they did win it and clinched it. I thought that they were on the road, so not really able to cut down nets on the road. Yeah, Nate Oates made mention of that, that it was a little more special for him anyway, and I, and I think for players too that they were able to uh, cut those nets down at Coleman as opposed to on the road. I think he mentioned too, of course, that it was uh, it, it was COVID era also when, when they were on the road and, and won it before. Uh, so definitely a little bit of a different atmosphere at that time for for those two reasons but uh but yeah definitely a lot of noise in there and you know you had bruce you had ejections you had overtime you had bruce pearl tossing a headset after the game in anger uh you had a, a little bit of anything you could ask for if you're a fan of this rivalry well, I love the fact that it did have a lot of drama and intrigue because, again, the odds makers had Alabama winning by 10, and that definitely did not, not look the part here as the game was continuing to progress. But quickly Alabama turns in what we really all thought the entire country wanted to see it all come down to a one-game show between Alabama going on the road and facing Texas A&M winner take all for the regular season championship and that was spoiled last week when Mississippi State defeats Texas A&M at home which just goes to show that Anything can happen on any given night in the SEC, but you mentioned earlier today Alabama, with the win over Texas A&M, would tie the 0-1-0-2 program single-season wins record. Yeah, they would. That team went 27-8, uh, and eight and uh, it's an outstanding team. They ended up uh, with a really disappointing loss in the NCAA tournament to Kent State in the second round. Probably one of the most bitter NCAA tournament losses Alabama's ever had. That, uh, but uh, uh, that team won 27. This team can win 27 against A&M. And, you know, conceivably, I guess, if they uh, if they win throughout the SEC tournament, they could they could be sitting on 30 wins uh, before the NCAA tournament even starts if they if they stay hot. Well, I tell you, a lot of Alabama fans just would love to see the Tide win these first two games that are in their own backyard. And I know it's 
March Madness survive in advance, and they call it March Madness for a reason. But again, it does start with the regular season finale this coming Saturday on the road versus Texas A&M. And let's talk about the ejections that took place last night. And it really, to me, as I was watching it and viewing it on television, I, I know that it was right up coming for a media timeout. So with that being said, I thought the explanation for the ejections was one in which it took place because there was an altercation that took place on the baseline toward Auburn's bench, and then the players, instead of rushing to greet their team right there at the eight under timeout, they went toward Auburn's direction and crossed half court. Is that your understanding for the reason for ejections also? That, that is my understanding that crossing half court is, uh, is the, the critical fact, I guess, with uh, the ejections on Fediaco and, and Griffin. Obviously, in a media timeout, everybody's coming off the bench, but nobody's crossing half court. So, you know, that's the difference there. And it, it was interesting that Nate Oates, with his shot blocker out of the game, went so small at the end of the game for, for all of overtime. He had Sears, Quinterly, and Bradley on the floor together with no Betty Ako to protect the rim. I mean, that's, that's about as small as it can get, uh, but they were able to get the job done. They really were. At the end of the day, Alabama wins 90-85 to in overtime, and Auburn had every opportunity to put the game away in regulation, and they do call them free throws for a reason. Brandon Miller really struggled last night, but again, when you struggle offensively, sometimes defensively you can still make a difference, and at least he was able to contribute when he did go to the free throw line and make those, but in overtime, as soon as Alabama hit that first shot and was able to really push the lead out to five, you kind of knew that Auburn, they've had problems closing games all year long and struggling with that, but you knew they couldn't continue to shoot a blistering 80% from the three-point line either the entire game. They shot really well from the three-point line, but it was hard for the, it, it, but it was hard for them to close it out. Even recognizing they've struggled to close out some other games. When you look at the injury and the foul out toward the end of the game for Auburn, it was going to be really hard for them to rally uh, with, the, with with the group they had on the floor. It really was going to be, and I tell you, a rallying point has been with Alabama football and the fact that we know Auburn got started up with their spring practice this past Monday, but Alabama continues to find ways to hire analysts. I know Charlie Strong has been hired as an analyst. He's no stranger to Nick Saban and with a new offensive and defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator only being 30 years old, Aaliyah had a song called Age Ain't Nothing But a Number. Well, I know that that's what Alabama fans are hoping on, and they're able to get veteran experience from their new offensive coordinator. 
Yeah, Tommy Reed from Notre Dame comes in with a reputation for uh, using a lot of tight ends, using a lot of 12 personnel. He emphasizes the running game, which is unusual for an ex-quarterback. Uh, but uh, the guy, the guy likes toughness, uh, and he's he's the kind of coach who will get the quarterback here if he needs to. Uh, some you know, some quarterback coaches like to whisper more than yell. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's a he, he's a tough coach. He's going to bring an edge to the offense, and I think a lot of people feel like a, a, a physical edge, especially in the running game, was part of what was missing from that offense last year. Well, I tell you, it, it, you love the fact that you have an opportunity to possibly see ground and pound, and Hugh Freeze made it very evident that no depth chart would be established in the spring for this Auburn roster. They just want to get quality reps. I think that's kind of the same thing when Alabama gets ready to start up that you can expect to see from Alabama as well. Just adjusting to the new system. I know as media members, we love to try to see a depth chart and create a depth chart, but I don't think you want Nick Saban to go on that epic rant more than once after asking about will there be a depth chart coming out of spring practice or going into spring practice. Yeah no, yeah, no doubt. It is going to be fun to see kind of what direction they take that offense. And, and you know, the quarterback battle is going to be the talk of the spring. It's going to be the talk of the summer and potentially the talk of fall camp. I mean, when, when Alabama's had quarterback battles in the past, uh, Nick Saban tends to not unveil the starter until fall camp. That's how it was with uh, – A.J. McCarron and Phillip Sims. That's how it was, you know, with uh, uh, Hurts and Tua. You, you go kind of go down the line. Saving generally when there's a when there's a hot competition, you're generally not going to see Saving uh, tap anybody's shoulder in April. Uh, so that's something that Tommy Reed has got his, on his plate too. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Chase, obviously the last three games for the basketball team, they've. All, all been exciting wins in their own right against Auburn, Arkansas, and South Carolina, uh, but they haven't really played particularly well in any of the three. Uh, are you at all concerned heading into March that this team is not playing its best basketball right now, and, and if they continue to play this way, will suffer an early exit? Talking, talking about Auburn, is that right? No, no, I'm, I'm sorry, back to the, the Alabama basketball team. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, maybe it might be the noise there. Can you hit me that question one more time? Yes. Uh, the the Alabama basketball team, obviously, the last three games have been exciting wins in their own right, but they haven't played particularly well or up to their standard for the season in any of the three. Are you concerned that the team is not playing their best basketball? Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Coach, just talk about what, what Saturday represents now. Oh, just We'll get ready to play Tennessee. We were, we were incredibly outmanned at the end. At three, four guys on the bench in foul trouble. Joke! Well, I tell you what's not a joke 
is the fact that the Auburn Tigers gave Alabama all they can handle, and Alabama does pull it off in overtime. 90-85 to 85 winners over their arch rival, the Auburn Tigers. And, Mike, as we wrap up today, want to give kudos to South Alabama and Richie Riley for winning 68-61, to 61, advancing to the quarterfinal round of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. And, again, winning nine out of their last 11. They're going to play Southern Miss at 11.30 Saturday. And South Alabama today placed all five of their starters in double-figure scores. So that's a huge, huge accomplishment and a big step in the right direction for the Jaguars. And also, Troy wins in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, 63-59 to over Arkansas State. Yesterday, midday, Dr. Joe Erdman made mention that there was going to be coaching changes with the South Alabama women's basketball program. A national search is now on for a new coach for the South Alabama women's basketball program, but a lot going on here in Birmingham, Alabama with Foley coming up short today, losing 51 to 33 to Sparkman and a tremendous season for the Foley Lady Lions ending at 23 and 6 and tomorrow St. Luke's they'll have an opportunity to play for a state championship, Mike. So again, your thoughts on the Alabama Auburn game? Yeah, I mean, again, it's uh, it's now do or die for Auburn, probably. Well, I, you know, not literally, but about as close as you can be to it. And uh, you have the opportunity to go and lock up your your tournament status with by beating a good Tennessee team on Saturday. That's down their best offensive player. So uh, the opportunity is in front of you. Uh, you got to put this devastating loss, and it was devastating, behind you. You got to not complain about the refs and remove outside factors and forget about that joke of a game and uh, and move on to the next one. Just win, baby, is what the Auburn Tigers have to do on Saturday when they take on Tennessee. One thing's guaranteed, and it's not a joke, is the fact that we'll be back tomorrow here on the final drive. It'll be my last day in Birmingham, Alabama, on location here of the 2023 AHSAA State Basketball Tournament. For myself and Michael Bronner will join you tomorrow again at 3 o'clock p.m. for the final drive.